Welcome to the Grey Wolf Podcast. Jumping into episode 14 of the Grey Wolf Podcast, it is Ned and John. Johnny, what's up, buddy? Yeah, plenty, man. Actually, still in isolation at the moment, but we're still pumping out the interviews, and we've got the man himself on the line, Lucas Waxy Walker. How you doing, man? I'm good, fellas. How are you? Yeah, going well, man. First up, we want to know, how are you surviving isolation, Waxy? You know, it's had its challenges, I suppose. But I think I'm settling into it now. The first couple of weeks are a little bit rough. I've got a young daughter and pretty limited in what I can do with her. I think if it was just me, I'd be binge-watching the hell out of heaps of TV shows. But unfortunately, I've got other people to entertain. So, yeah, early days were tough, but getting in a routine now. Yeah, it's a bit that way, isn't it? Just coming up with a new routine. And I guess on the routine topic, have you got one to sort of stay in shape and stay fit while everyone's stuck at home? Yeah, I do have one. Our King's Strength and Conditioning Coach sends one out just for everyone to kind of do, like a bit of running at the park and a bit of body weight stuff. So I haven't dabbled in it yet. I've had my feet up since the season ended, but tomorrow's actually going to be my first day. Yeah, it sounds a bit like mine, actually. Mine's uh, involved sitting on the couch a bit too. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow is always that first day. I yeah, like it. Exactly, man. We did see on your Twitter and, of course, like most of the basketball world, you caught the first two episodes of The Last Dance last week and you also hosted a, a little Zoom meeting to discuss, man. Is that right? Yeah, it was... I don't know. I just had this idea that, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there that are kind of bunkered down and everyone's in a similar situation. And so I just sort of had a thought, you know, to break up the monotony of isolation to just, I don't know, it was kind of like a book club, I guess. I thought what better way or what better first topic to start it off with than the first two episodes of The Last Dance. So, yeah, we had a couple of guys jump on and we all just sort of sat there and chopped it up for an hour and a half. It was good fun. We're going to do it again next week too. Oh, love that right there. Johnny's saying we're going to have to jump on. And Waxy, what were your sort of fondest memories of back in those Bulls days? Were you diehard, no doubt, back in the, the 90s Bulls? Were you on the Bulls back then? Yeah, the Bulls, the Magic and the Sonic. So probably since this isolation started, I think I've really kind of gone back in time. I, I listened to a um, Sonic Boom podcast about the Sonics leaving Seattle and then I watched the 30 for 30 on Shaq and Penny the other night and then obviously now The Last Dance too. So we didn't have a lot of games. I grew up in the, in the small town like you guys, Launceston. And I think Launceston's still probably 10 times bigger than Horsham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, not a lot of exposure to the NBA back then in the 90s. It was all just basketball cards and, and magazines and video games really, but not a lot of games on TV, but still was obsessed with it. Yeah, that yeah. was a good way that a lot of us got into it, wasn't it, back in the day, collecting those cards. And I was definitely a massive video gamer, NBA Live 94, these sorts of games. But you've touched on growing up in Launceston there, Waxy. Can you tell us a bit about what your junior basketball days were like? Yeah, I played a lot, actually, but I wasn't ever... I don't know, it was never really a, an option to be a career. I just played because I liked it, you know. I've been playing it for so long. I started when I was six, you know. We moved from the northwest coast in Tassie up to Launceston, which is about an hour away, but, you know, an hour drive in Tasmania is like a five-hour drive anywhere else. <laughs> um, my folks wanted to get me into sports so that I could meet other kids my own age, and, yeah, that's where basketball started. Got really busy. I played footy at the same time as well, and then once I hit about 15 or 16, the commitments for both started becoming too much. I had my dad in the change room after a game of footy on Sunday afternoon and he was like hustling me out of the change rooms to get to basketball training on time. So there'd be plenty of times I'd turn up to basketball practice Sunday night just muddy from footy. 
So I just got a bit too much and I'd been playing basketball for the longest out of the two of them, so I stuck with it. Yeah, interesting there because like a bunch of people from around our way have had that same thing. Hasn't sort of blessed us, as it were, where you're both <laughs> gifted at both footy and basketball. And why did you say that basketball was the one that was your preferred sport in the end, Waxy? Why did I? Yeah. What made basketball the... Was it Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, you know, being better than Dunstall and whatever back in the day? Or Yeah, I don't know. I think it, I'd just been playing it for a lot longer and I knew it. I was more familiar with it. There were more opportunities for me. Like, once I started getting a little bit better, I realised that, you know, you can play for Australia and you can play overseas and there's just so many different ways or, you know, ways that you can see the world by playing basketball. Yeah, it's a good, fair reason, I suppose. And early on, did you find it sort of hard being from Tasmania to stand out? Like, I know that is a, a thing for the footballers in a lot of cases, but was it a, a trickier pathway early on? Yeah, good question. I think at the time when I was, oh, well, that would have been around the year 2000, early 2000, I think everyone probably struggled being spotted, you know? Like, there wasn't any of the social media. Like, it was really hard to get recruited by colleges. You had to send tapes and DVDs over that were basically like highlight tapes and that. Yeah, so the exposure was really low. I had a couple of coaches come, you know, you like you go to national championships and stuff and like the national coaches and the AIS coaches would see you there. So I guess there was that. But to be honest, I didn't really think about it. I didn't ever think about scouts coming to games or how I was going to get to the next level. I just, I just kind of played and then whatever opportunity was there is what I kind of went into next. Yeah, all right, man. I like that right there. And you mentioned the AIS there and you ended up playing there. How was the transition from being in Tasmania? You sort of were speaking about Launceston being a small town like where we're from at the moment. How was it going from Launceston to, you know, playing at the AIS? Oh, really similar. It was actually a pretty easy transition. I mean, Launceston and Canberra, they're not too dissimilar. So I actually had a ball once I got there. I think the first time, the very first day I got to the Institute, I think I went and I dumped my bags in my room and I was walking back out of the residential block and I saw Brad Newley pushing another guy around in a shopping trolley through the... (laughs) And I just thought to myself, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be so good. Like, I just moved away from my folks. I was... 17 or 18 and I was just I was like yeah this is um, I can't wait so it was smooth and I had fun like almost from the get-go. That's brilliant, man. I love that. I don't really look at Brad Newley as the monster <laughs> sort of guy either. I guess back in the day he was a bit different. Yeah, well me and Brad, yeah we got up to we had a bit of fun at the shoot and you know, we used to knock around with Tommy Garlis a bit as well and Ben Allen who played in the NBL for a couple of years so yeah we'd get into a bit of strife here and there but it was good like we'd all I mean it was all innocent stuff but we're all you know pretty young and moved out of home and had some independence so it was a good time. Yeah, definitely, man. And, uh, of course, you went from the AIS uh, over to the USA and played in Montana State University and then St. Mary's. And and what was the the reason for the change there, Waxy? The reason I went to Montana State in the first place is because I hadn't sat my SAT, so I was ineligible for the Division I schools. And I had some really big schools recruiting me out of the AIS, but I couldn't go there because I was academically ineligible because I hadn't taken the SAT. So this coach at Montana State, he said, I will sign you if you can guarantee me that you're going to pass the SAT on your next attempt or whenever you sit it. And I said, yeah, absolutely, you know, I can do that. I'm I'm a smart guy, no problem. So that's how that happened. And I passed and I ended up going there. And they were a D2 school and 
I had great teammates and awesome friends there, and it was actually a pretty cool place. Like cold as hell, Montana in the in the mm. winter. But yeah, just after two years, I just thought, you know, this is I'm underachieving, and I think I'm capable of more. So I transferred and went to St Mary's. That's interesting, Waxy. Why did you choose St Mary's? Because it does seem to be like a heavy sort of hitter spot for a lot of Australians. Yeah, I had a coach back here in Australia who was. It was obviously illegal for me to reach out to schools there at the time, and it was also. You know, 2006, so I didn't know how to do it. But I had a coach back here who was helping me. And he would kind of just reach like, reach out to a few coaches' contacts that he knew. And one of them was St Mary's. And they'd known about me from the AIS. And Daniel Kickett was there at the time, or just graduating. Adam Caporn had been there. So they'd had some success with a couple of Aussies. And they were willing to give me a scholarship, even though I had to sit out a year. So that was pretty awesome. That kind of just kick-started. I mean, capes and kicks were there before I was, but... You know, the Aussies just sort of came on really heavy after that. You know, we had five there when I was at school and it's just sort of, you know, there's been so many of them since. It's pretty good. I think the transition from our way of life or our, like, it's so similar over there. There's gum trees on the campus at St Mary's. Um, oh, wow. That's it's, cool. It's a direct flight. You know, you can, you land in San Francisco, it's a direct flight from Australia. Yeah, it's just a great place to be. I think before I went, I remember my coach at the Chute saying, Marty Clark was saying that you have to be able to tell Aussie guys when they go to college that they're going to be able to play you know you can't really sell them on the hype of 18,000 people at home games and all that sort of stuff that a lot of recruiters try to get kids on we just want to play so we just want to go somewhere we're going to play so I know a lot of Aussie guys go there because they're going to get good opportunity yeah perfect man and, and look do you have any uh, any stories or good memories you can share from those days or are they sort of best left untold <laughs> <laughs> we have had to redo these podcasts in the past due to these stories so you know if they are a Whatever. <laughs> nah, all right. Yeah, I got one. Let's see. Over Christmas break, all the students leave the school and they go home for Christmas break and pretty much only the athletes in a couple of sports, they stick around and stay on campus. So it's super quiet. You know, you have games and practice, but there's no school. So, yeah, you get quite bored. So one night, I think we might have, I don't know, a weekend or the next day off or whatever. Me and one of my teammates, we kind of found a door open that went into the cafeteria and... <laughs> We found a few bottles of wine, but it was cooking wine, and oh. we kind of drank it and stole a golf cart and crashed it into a pile on campus to <laughs> dunk out the bump, and then woke up with an incredible hangover the next day. Oh, um, oh my good! Well, but, what happened to the golf cart? <laughs> uh, well, we, we put the golf cart back. It, like it had, we took a big chunk out of the fender, but we put it back, and I don't think anyone ever followed up because I don't know. We just we put it back, and <laughs> it wouldn't be that lovely Lucas Walker guy. No, lovely chappies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, that's awesome, man. And of course... It uh, takes the cake, doesn't yeah. it? Just about, I think. That's that's probably the best story we've got so far. We need like a, a hall of fame or shame, maybe. <laughs> Full of stories. I might, have, I might have thrown myself under the bus there a bit, but yeah, I don't know. We're, all, we're just kids having fun. I oh, love it, Waxy. Love it. Of course, man. And uh, we'll find one to top that one day. But of course, after the college stint, you came back and played with the Melbourne Tigers in the NBL. Can you tell us a bit about those first few seasons of finding your feet in the uh, Australian League? Yeah, so... The year that I came back from college, I didn't play in the NBL that season right away. I actually just went and trained with the Tigers every day. I put my eggs in another basket and that sort of didn't work out, so I was left sort of high and dry. But the Tigers were awesome because I'd been going there for years and, and training with them in the off-season. And So I just went and practiced with them every day. And then at night time, I worked at Liquorland. Then yeah, the following year, I got my contract, my first rookie contract. And yeah, I was actually hoping to be a one-club player early days, you know, but then I soon figured out that 
that's not always how it works and there's only a handful of guys that are fortunate to do that but I love being in Melbourne and had some really awesome years there. And during one of those seasons, I believe it was 2013, you had a, a stint with the Ballarat Miners in the Seabull. Is that correct? Yep, me and your boy Brucey. Yeah, I wanted to bring that because I was. Local. Yeah, I was doing stats at the time, so I got to watch yeah, a lot of those Saturday nights, man. And uh, did you enjoy playing in Ballarat? It would have been a probably a cold spot to play, but a little bit different to what you're used to. Yeah, it was cool. I had a really good agreement with the club. I only came up for practice on a Thursday night and then played the games on the weekend. But yeah, it was freezing. I don't know where we trained, but it was it was at a school. And man, it was so cold. Like I'm talking training in a hoodie and, and track pants, like freezing. But poor you having to do the stats for that game. Man, we lost 14 games in a row that season. Far out. Yeah, yeah, I probably could have padded the stats a bit more for you, maybe. <laughs> Take right. that away. Give us a couple of extra points on the scoreboard or something. That's what we needed. Oh, that's it. How was it playing with Brucey back then? That would have been probably the first time you guys had met. Yeah, it was. I, I played with Sean's older brother, Aaron, a couple of times for some junior Australian teams. So I knew of Sean, and then Sean came and trained with us a couple of times at the Melbourne Tigers, actually. So I had a bit to do with him, and then that's when he went up to Cairns as a development player just after that Ballarat season. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, that I well, man. That's cool right there. And one season with the 36ers as well, Waxy. How was it playing under Joey Wright? Yeah, I liked it, man. I, before I went there, I had a lot of players say, oh, you're going to like playing for Joey. You, you love playing for Joey. He's definitely like a player's coach. who get you to play hard. And I did, man. I, I liked it. He, he was firm and he was strong and, and he got us to play hard. But he kind of gave guys a lot of confidence and a lot of freedom to do what they felt that they could do out on the court. It was almost like if you played your tail off on defense, you kind of had free reign the next possession on offense. Like, he really gave guys a lot of freedom if they were willing to play hard, so I, I quite enjoyed that. Oh, that's good, man. And, of course, another Horsham boy there at the time, too, Mitch Creek. He, he played at the Adelaide 36ers there as well, so it's like you played with a bunch of Hornets, man. <laughs> Mate, I, I think I've actually... I've been to Horsham once, but I don't really remember it, so, I, I mean, that's not, a, that's not a knock on Horsham. I'm sure there's plenty of memorable things about Horsham. Yeah, <laughs> there's not. <laughs> I've got a few connections to Horsham. Yeah, good, man. And when you finally retire, you can come down and play with our Monday Night Basketball team. We've recruited a few of these guys the for it. Yes, it is the Zombies. Yes, it yeah, is. I was, yeah, I heard about it when you on a few of your previous podcasts. So, yeah, I'm in, man. <laughs> yes. yes. Here we go, man. The team's building, and we do need some champion players, which, of course, you became a uh, NBL champion 2016-17 with that amazing Perth team. Tell us how it was after all those years in the NBL system to finally win one, Waxy. Yeah, that's a tough one because, I, I mean, on paper, yeah, it says that I've won one, but I don't actually consider myself an NBL champion. I, you know, I only played three games that season and I was there and I won the coaches award that year for the team and I practiced every day, but I just it just doesn't feel right to claim that as a championship when I didn't play in any of the finals games and I missed, you know, I only played the first three games of the season and then missed the next 25, so... As far as being there and being a part of it and seeing it all, how it worked, and that was amazing because I think around Christmas or New Year's, we were on the bottom of the ladder or maybe second from the bottom of the ladder and things were looking pretty dire. And we turned it around and ended up winning. So it was great to kind of see or be involved and, and deep inside how, like, you know, guys have to come together when, you know, it's sort of do or die. And that was really good to see what it takes to win the championship. Yeah, just thinking about it now too, Waxy, because you've been to a few of the different clubs, you'd have a fairly good intake of all of the behind the scenes of many clubs, man. That'd mm. be kind of interesting, of seeing how it all works differently and whatnot. Yeah, and I think all the coaches that I've had have been really different as well. You know, I don't think they all have some similarities, but 
there are also a lot of differences and it's kind of cool because I could take what I learned from one coach and, and take that moving forward and then I get another coach and you know, he might tell me to scrap some things that I've learned that I've brought with me and that he might consider bad habits but you know, by the end of it I, I feel like I take all the best pieces along the way. Yeah, definitely. And that's a great way to look at it, of course. And then uh, as we move through here, 2018, man, winning Commonwealth gold would have been pretty amazing, getting to represent your country. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that feeling? Yeah, so that was a really late call-up. I'd done some qualifiers and was sitting in my house in Fremantle, got a call from Andre Lamanis on Sunday afternoon, and he's like, hey, mate, we want to bring you in. Can you get on a flight tomorrow morning, Monday morning? and get here. I was like, over the moon. Yep, absolutely no question. I'm there. So I'm speaking to the high performance manager of Basketball Australia, Jan Sterling, and she's telling me all this stuff that I need to bring, and it's don't forget your passport. Whatever you do, don't forget your passport. <laughs> it's probably the most important thing you can bring because you need it for security and accreditation. You forgot so, it, didn't you, Waxy? I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a seven o'clock flight and everything was kind of just racing and I'm walking on the tarmac. Like, I'm literally on the tarmac walking to the stairs of the plane and it just hits me. I don't have my passport. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I turned around, went back inside. I called my partner Jess she drove home and got it for me and brought it back and I was really lucky I got on another flight had to buy another flight myself but I ended up getting to Cairns for the first like the qualifying rounds or the, the round robin or whatever it was the pool game only like an hour later than I was scheduled so oh you oh. did well there yeah. hats off to your partner as well she's a keeper yeah. I was rattled I was so rattled god that'd break your focus wouldn't it yeah it was tough quickly moved on once I got there. Yeah, all worth it in the end though, man. Winning gold though, that must have been an amazing feeling. Yeah, it was. It was sweet. My family came up for it. My partner came over for it. My auntie came up. It was just a bit of a dream come true, I guess. Like, I love playing for Australia and getting a medal for it was awesome. And my partner told me that she was pregnant with our first baby the night before that gold medal game. So that was an unforgettable weekend. Oh, most That's definitely amazing. right there, man. Yeah, that is very cool. Be hard to top that one, man. But of course, then from there, one season playing with Cairns and then uh, down to Sydney, of course, where you are now. But before we sort of discuss the, the season going, I want to hear a bit about your three-on-three ventures. Yourself, Tim Conrad, Greg Heyer, Tom Wright won the FIBA Asia Cup three-on-three. That was kind of just out of the blue. Peter Crawford, who's a, a ex-NBL player and ex-Olympian for Australia, good mate of mine and ex-housemate in Adelaide, he contacted me and asked me to play in the, the hustle tournaments in Australia and I just did it to stay in shape, really. And then we won them all and won some money and I thought, oh, this is pretty cool and then got the opportunity to play for Australia and I was like, absolutely. And then, yeah, just did some world tours and I really, really enjoyed it, like really quickly became obsessed with it. It's so different to 515 and it's so different in all the all the preparations, you know. I was warming up in shopping malls in China and just so different to what it's like in the NBL, you know. You get to a game early and, and you have your own locker room and it's all quiet and you got physios and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, I'm just sitting in a shopping mall at Starbucks waiting for my next game, like taping my own ankles and not getting a massage. It's just, yeah, it's, it was cool. It was a really cool experience. It kind of reminded me a lot of, you know, how basketball used to be back in... Now, under 16s, under 18s, you, know, you just you rock up to the stadium with your hoodie and your drink bottle and you warm up for a couple of minutes and then you play. <laughs> Sounds like the zombies. <laughs> you are going to be ready for zombies, Waxy. <laughs> Do you feel like the three-on-three could be the future of basketball? And, uh, and obviously now it's an Olympic sport. Do you really feel like that could open up a lot more avenues for professional players? Yeah, it could potentially. I mean, it's still very early days. I think they have a bigger online audience 
than what they do at the actual event. It's taken off though. It's really hard to do in Australia because I don't know if you guys know too much about it, but it all works on a ranking point system mm. um, for individuals and for countries. And all the countries in Europe that participate in it, they can play in different tournaments. You know, every weekend, all they got to do is drive a couple of hours to another country. But we can't do that here. We're so isolated and so we're very limited into into how many FIBA accredited tournaments we can have each year. And so I guess that's where Australian men missed out on having an opportunity to qualify for the Olympics is because we weren't ranked inside the top 30 in the world. So hopefully it can become big because it's just, you know, it broadens basketball more across the world. But yeah, yet to be yet to be proven. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a case of watch this space here, Waxy. Now we're going to talk to you about what might be a bit of a sombre sort of thing to talk about here because it is the season that has just been with the Sydney Kings, man. How's the fallout been from the recent final series and how was it playing in front of those empty crowds? Man, it's crazy. Like from for a guy who's you know played for Sydney and played for Perth, I know you know I know what it's like to be the away team at Perth, and I know what it's like to play for the home team at Perth. And for game two, for them to be missing thirteen thousand people was definitely a benefit to us and a blow to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even coming back home, you know, we didn't have our crowd either in an eighteen thousand seat arena. So it's just it's really it's quiet, it's echoes, it's eerie. You know, there's not a lot of noise and just got to really try and make your own atmosphere but it was probably an experience that I'll never experience again and also one that I don't really want to experience again mm, it would have been tough wouldn't it like I mean I couldn't imagine you know we get four people to our local games <laughs> and you know it's always good to have a crowd but I couldn't imagine having just yeah just an empty stadium when you're used to so many people that'd be crazy yeah, it was. I mean, Perth did a good job making some noise, and our guys did a good job making some noise. And I'm sure if that was that, you know, I think we had less than 500 at the time because that's what we were allowed. And if that was in a small gym, I'm sure the atmosphere would have been much better. But in arenas like that, it's just pretty hard to, to make an atmosphere. Yeah, it just seemed really sort of eerie there, Waxy. And what's the sort of feeling around the camp with how it all ended up sort of thing? Like, what was the sort of headspace and everything you guys are in when that all went down? Yeah, a lot of mixed emotions. We had a really long meeting and there was, you know, guys that were pretty set one way or another and a couple more on the fence, but overall the call was made and it all ended really suddenly and all the American guys went back home the next day and then everyone else was kind of on on lockdown and so yeah, it all ended. There was no end of season breakup. I haven't really seen any of the guys since it ended, so it's definitely not the typical end of season that we're used to, you know. Sometimes you got a mad Monday or... You know, you're back in the gym by now working out with guys on the team and, yeah, it's just not like that at the moment. Everyone kind of went their separate ways and, you know, they're they're hunkered down now with their families and, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I guess that's just sort of bigger than basketball, unfortunately, this whole situation, isn't it? Hopefully these restrictions lift sooner we can start getting into the gym. Sounds like it starts for you tomorrow anyway, Waxy. Yeah, yeah, hopefully not too long. I feel like we've probably bottomed out, I reckon, in my opinion. Like, I think if we can hold strong for the next couple of weeks or months or whatever and keep doing what we're doing, then things will start to ease off. But at that point when our season ended, there was was literally things changing by the hour. I remember being on my phone and I was looking at stuff like, Oh, domestic flights have been cancelled and then it was like, oh, what's going to happen next? You know, you wake up in the morning and there was a new set of rules. So, yeah, it was was really crazy. And to see, like, from where it was while we were still playing to where it is now, like, yeah, I guess we, we probably wouldn't have had a choice either way. Yeah, it's bizarre. Were you guys flying on chartered flights or just flying domestic? How, like, I'm not completely ignorant here. How were you getting around? No, we just fly on regular commercial airlines. 
but that that day that the club made the decision to end it, West Australia was contemplating closing down its borders. So, you know, if we had gone over there, we were going over two days early, but, you know, we play the game and then we come back three, four days after we've left, like, there's a chance that we don't get out of there. So there was, there was a lot of things to consider and a lot of what-ifs, and you kind of had to, had to make the smart decision. Yeah, of course, and especially with the overseas guys had to try and get home and everyone was just sort of trying to do what they could at the time. But Waxy, just to change things up slightly, I'm a, uh, a co- as a coach, basketball coach, I'm a huge fan of Will Weaver and I'd love to know, what's he like as a coach for you guys? Yeah, he's very calm and he's very detail-oriented. He's really good with his communication. So his messages are really, really simple and to the point and there's not a lot of grey area. So, you know, if he... If he wants done, things done a certain way, like he'll let you know how they need to be done. And if you've got a question, he's nearly always got an answer for how to do it. Like it's never, never a response like, "Oh, well, you just you guys sort it out, or you guys do what you think you need to do." There's always an answer, so there's no sort of there's no room for error. Really, I feel like he's kind of one of those more new school coaches. So he takes into consideration a lot of like player load and and all that sort of stuff that seems to be getting a little bit more attention. You know, he can't run guys into the ground and make them train for three hours a day um, anymore guys bodies break down so he's very cautious of that and really good with with all our guys a very interesting guy to to learn from and very different to all the other coaches i've had previously yeah well like you were saying earlier like you can take a bit of something from each coach that you've had and with that being said who's sort of the best coach you think that you've played under or is that something you can't sort of say <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I could say it if I had an answer. Luke Longley actually asked me this question a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't have an answer for him really either. I don't. I think there's elements of a lot of coaches I've had that I enjoy, and there's you know some elements that I don't like. So I don't have a standout favourite coach, but I definitely have favourite things from different coaches. Very, very yeah. well answered there, Waxy. I like it, man. That's um, that nice and politically correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my head. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, to things that may not be politically correct, man, while we're on the topic of the Sydney Kings, just quickly, do you have any dirt on Barisi we can steal? Uh, if you had a, if you had a given me a heads up on this, it probably could have got hate. Uh, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce and I lived together in Mackay. We played a season of QBL up there two years ago, three years ago, I think. So, yeah, we were housemates in Mackay for four months, so I'd have heaps of dirt on him. But, yeah, just I can't think of any of them. We're just, right we'll have to get you... Talking, talking to the kids this afternoon. He's up in Cairns at the moment. Uh, he's, he's a very good dude. We'll have to get you back on the show <laughs> at some stage, and it can be the Brucey Dirt Hour or something <laughs> like that with Waxy. <laughs> maybe maybe you could get us both on, and we could just roast each other back and forth. Yeah, it's that that's be a great lot idea. of fun. We'll get a Zoom call or something happening. I like that, yeah. man. That's awesome. This might be time for another politically correct answer. You've played for a bunch of NBL teams. What has been the best? team would you say that you played for? Best team as far as wins losses, best far as far as teammates or... Most enjoyable then, yeah. maybe you're better. Oh, most enjoyable. I reckon probably my early years with the Tigers were probably my most enjoyable if you include sort of basketball and life away from basketball. I was young, I had a lot of guys on my team that were the same age and we went out a lot and we socialised a lot and it was just, it was good fun, you know. We were in Melbourne in the summer and we are just having a really good time and yeah, we had a pretty decent season and had a really good time off the court so that's probably one of my most fond memories. Of 10 years that I've played in the NBL, there aren't any that I've hated. It's kind of, I'm going to give you another politically correct answer here, sadly, <laughs> but... 
you know, I played in Perth and I lived on the beach in Fremantle and I was part of a championship and we won heaps of games the second year. So that was awesome. I lived in Cairns and, you know, my daughter was born. You know, I lived in Melbourne for five or six years and, and had all my mates and my family around. And so, you know, I've, I've actually had a really, really fun career. Yeah, it sounds like a really just fantastic career, really, and you've been all over the country doing the thing that you love, man. Like, you can't ask for much yeah. more than that. No, I've been I've been really lucky. It's good. It's sad that it's going to have to come to an end one day, but that's how it goes. I'm not the first person that's had to retire from basketball, so... Um, and I won't be the last, but yeah. I guess if you just kind of enjoy it and make the most of it along the way, then it's the, a little bit easier to let it go. That zombies contract's waiting for you right around the corner, man. But I guess sort of on that topic, like, what's the future hold for you, Waxy? Like, what's coming up next? We know there's that Tassie NBL team just around the corner. Is that a possibility for you as a player or a coach, maybe? Yeah, I guess there's a bit of uncertainty about the timeline of that, just with everything that's going on at the moment. I read something uh, last week or two weeks ago about Larry was talking with the Tasmanian government just to make sure, you know, they got a lot of stuff on their plate at the moment with all the coronavirus stuff. So I'm not sure if that timeline's still holding strong, but you know, I'd like to stay in basketball. I didn't think I would for a long time, but as I get older, I feel like I want to, and I love being around a team environment, and I feel like all the things that I've learned that I'd like to pass on and help other people. I'm trying to see where it takes me. I've been learning the sports code video editing software just in case I need to know how to use that in the future but yeah we'll just we'll see I think I've been doing this for so long nearly 30 years now and I've been doing it at a really high level for 15 so I've learned a lot and I'd like to pass some of that on and you know if it's not something that works out after a couple of years of coaching or whatever then I can move into something else but it doesn't really make sense to me at the moment to move on right away you know I just play to my strength for now and then make a decision afterwards yeah I like that you've definitely got a few years left in your yet though waxy what's the nbl future hold i guess yeah well that's another thing up in the air too you know like they still haven't announced when free agency starts and i'm off contract with the kings next week so i'm not sure whether they'll be re-signing with the kings or whether it'll be another case going to free agency but it's all you know it's all up in the air about what's going to happen there's a lot of uncertainty around the league you know the guys oh everyone had to take that pay cut that they announced a week or two ago and and just uncertain time so I guess we'll just play the waiting game which I've done before so I'm used to it and I'll just I'll sit tight and start working out tomorrow and stay in shape for when the next opportunity pops up yeah good thing man just uh, one day at a time I suppose but as we sort of start to wrap things up here Waxy we've got a few sort of curvy ball questions I suppose and the first one here is what's a surprising fact about you surprising fact I was pretty surprised at the golf cart incident (laughs) earlier. I thought that was great. Yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) I don't know, man. I really really like my music. I play guitar. I don't know if that's a surprising fact, but... That's an awesome fact, Uh, and that's what we were going to jump into next because that's always a big topic here. Like, what sort of music are you into? So you guys have seen that thing that everyone's kind of doing on Instagram right now. It's Bill Clinton holding up his... Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Record. So I had a couple of people ask me to do that or nominate me or whatever, and I can't pick four albums. I have too many albums that, that I love, and the, the range is like crazy, like Sam Smith, Adele, Foo Fighters, Linkin Park... Oh, there's Metallica in there. There's just like that is a that's a very mixed bag yeah. you've just labelled <laughs> off there, super, Waxy. It's a super mixed bag, yeah. I like Gang of Youth as well. Like there's just there's too much in there. So I've got a very wide variety of stuff that I like, but I haven't 
I haven't yet sort of found myself listening to heavy metal like Mitch McCarron. <laughs> hey, man, me and Mitch, uh, <laughs> I'm still on a high about Mitch listening to heavy metal because he's the only other person who we've come across. But hats off to you, man. The Foo Fighters are a great band right yep, there. Yep. Not too sure about Adele, but that's cool, man. What sort of, what's your, do you love playing most on the guitar? I don't know, just little bits and pieces, whatever I kind of hear on the radio that I think I might be able to pick up. Do you guys know a TV show called Bluey? It's a kid's TV show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I tried to learn the intro to that song the other day because my daughter loves it. So yeah, it's kind of whatever I hear and whatever I feel like playing, really. Yeah, I played a Justin Bieber song. <laughs> Beeps. song by The weekend on stage at the Adelaide 36ers end of season dinner. And then I played Ain't No Mountain High Enough on stage at the end of season dinner for the Wild. Wow. There you go. Look out for the solo career kicking off soon then. I love that right there. There's a bit of extra incentive to sign you, Waxy. Uh, Yeah, right. The vocals are lacking, but the the guitar skills are decent. Oh, I love it right there, man. That is awesome. And we've got here, what's something to watch while in isolation? Have you gotten amongst the Tiger King? John and I have just been carrying on about that for a bit. What, What have you been checking out apart from The Last Dance, of course? I uh, started watching some 30 for 30s, like mainly all basketball ones. I watched the Dennis Rodman one last night. That was cool. Ozark, you guys watch Ozark? Yeah, I've checked nah. out the first season of that. Very good. Yeah, uh, Homeland as well. I'm pretty well invested in Homeland now. That's on season eight. So, yeah, and Bluey as well. Yeah, good call, man, on that one. And uh, one final question to finish us off here, Wax, and we often like to ask our NBL guests is, what's one piece of advice you can give to any kids out there listening right now that want to you know, go down that path in, in basketball? Tough question, because there's heaps of advice, but mine is just to try and have fun and to not put pressure on it. You know, I was, I was a very late bloomer. I didn't go to the AIS too late. Didn't make my first state team too late. So if you enjoy the game, then, you know, you're naturally going to play it a lot and yeah just don't put too much pressure on yourself and also if you miss out on an opportunity too which I missed out on plenty just don't get discouraged keep having fun keep enjoying it don't let the setbacks get you down yeah very good advice there Waxy well thank you so much for taking some time out man really appreciate it this one has been a whole bunch of fun and we've learned a lot about you man it's been awesome yeah, sweet. Cool, man. I had a uh, good yarn to you guys. Uh, that is what is up. Be sure to check this man out on Twitter, twitter.com slash lucaswaxy or Instagram at lucaswaxy. Thanks again, man. No worries, fellas. Thanks, bud. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.